Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Robbie Banfitch. He is the filmmaker behind The Outwaters, which is currently playing in festivals and just played at the Unnamed Footage Festival. Welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hi. Hi. Shout out to Robbie for emailing the Dread Central info email box with a found footage movie that made Mary Beth go. I would like to the. I would like to talk about this movie. So thank you, you for bringing so us together. Great. <laughs> and thank you for being the uh, only person to reply to um, a few emails I sent. You put if you put found footage in a subject line, I will be reading it. Um, but before we get to your incredible movie, Robbie, tell us about like how you got into horror and like, you know, when you started watching horror movies? Uh, too young. I think I remember seeing Jaws when I was like three. <gasps> Me so, too. Yeah. The first, I mean, the first movie I remember ever watching was King Kong, which has horror elements, yeah. the original King Kong. Ooh, um, yeah. But Jaws, and then my dad used to let me rent anything, like literally anything at the store. So I saw Candyman when I was seven. Oh, wow. And I just like, I like being scared. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was too young <laughs> for Candyman. It really is. That is incredibly young for Candyman. And so is it, was it both of your parents, just you and your dad that were like really into horror movies? More my dad. And then cool. my parents were divorced and my dad would let me rent things like Candyman. And then my mom <laughs> would find out that I had watched it and they would get into a fight. 
So that sounds like incredibly similar to my childhood experience where my dad would have me watch movies and then my mom would find out that I watched it because I couldn't sleep when I came home and then they would get into huge fights about what was appropriate to show a six-year-old child. <laughs> I just remember my dad rented me a killer crocodile movie called Dark Age. It's like an 80s Australian crocodile movie. Okay. And he rented it and my mom put it on. And there's literally a scene where, like, a three-year-old little kid gets its head crunched down by a crocodile. And my mom, you know, I was like, I think I was like three or four. Gnarly. (laughs) And I I didn't get to watch the whole movie until it came out on Blu-ray a few years ago. Shout out Umbrella Entertainment in Australia. (laughs) So all you had in your head was that one scene (laughs) in your head forever. That's all I remembered. And I love a killer animal so I was so excited for that Blu-ray. And it has a uh, that that movie had John Jarrett in it, who would become Mick Taylor in the Wolf Creek. He was smoking. He was so hot and sweaty in that mm. movie in Dark Age. Check it out. Mm, not nothing. It's not a good Australian horror movie unless someone is at least one person is sweaty and just covered in dirt. That's John Jarrett. Here for it. Hell yeah. So, what were a few of your Hell like yeah. favorites growing up? Growing up. Poltergeist, mm-hmm. Cujo, Jurassic Park, and Jaws, which I consider horror. Me too. Oh, yeah. Those are my two all-time favorite movies. And then, but yeah, I think when I was young, Cujo and and Poltergeist were on a lot. And I would rent them over and over. Oof, two extremes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good lord. <laughs> so, okay, so you love Poltergeist and you loved, oh my god, why did it just leave Cujo. my head? Cujo. Um, so, but do you remember what your first horror movie was? Like, your very first one. Jaws is the first one I so remember. So, Jaws was the first one. So, okay, so yeah. it seems like you have, like, a creature feature thing going on. Like, creature movies were your favorite. Specifically, killer animals. I don't really... Killer animals, okay. Like, I literally have, aside from the sci-fi channel trash, <laughs> I have, like, every killer animal movie on physical media that you could think of. Wow. Okay, did you ever see the Snakehead movie, the sci-fi Snakehead movie about the mutant fish in Maryland? Did you ever see that one? The Bay? No, no, that's not The Bay. This one's like a bad size. It's not the found footage one that's actually decent. It's about the Snakehead fish in Maryland, and they made Maryland look like a backcountry, like, hillbilly town when the fish... It's based on a true story, but the fish were not giant monsters. They were like fish that could walk on land and it was near my hometown and it was not hillbilly but they they took the story and made it look like maryland was like deliverance rural area and it is hilarious if it was literally a sci-fi channel movie then no i i tend to stay away from sci-fi channel stuff <laughs> i can't Fair enough. do it i like cheesy movies if they're trying to be good not if they like know they're horrible and like reveling in that Typical. Um, okay, that makes a lot of sense. No, I get that for sure. <laughs> was that Snakehead Terror, Mary Beth? That was in fact Snakehead Terror. I figured. Okay, I was wondering if it was some something that basic. I'm adding it to my letterbox list. Oh, the pictures on IMDb look amazingly bad. 2004. Wow. Wow. Um. Okay. So aside from like the movie <laughs> that we're talking about today, did. Uh, did you get scared as a kid growing up? And were there movies that like terrified you other than the one we're going to talk about? The original Pet Cemetery, the Victor Pascal mm. scene mm-hmm. ruined me, which is a good opportunity to just mention that I much prefer the remake over the yes. original Pet Cemetery, which really? I, um, I just 
do yes i just wanted to get that in here. yes because i robbie I, the consensus seems to be everyone hated it and i i mean i think it's just straightforward it keeps the tone it doesn't get goofy and i since i love the story of pet cemetery so much and like the poetry of the story i just appreciated that the new one was tonally cohesive and didn't veer off into like cheesiness that's how i love yeah. the original pet cemetery i just think the, the new one is a the story is better served by the See, movie. You itself. and I besties. We're just besties. That's it. That's my favorite. It's such a good movie. But yeah, Victor Pascal's scene in the original one really messed me up. Um, but I didn't, I didn't often get, so I would say it might be a good thing. Everyone has different definitions of like fear or being scared by a movie. So for me, when I say I'm scared by a movie, that means like chills and goosebumps and looking over my shoulder, mm -hmm. not like intensity or suspense or um, jump scares. Okay. So in terms of chills, the pet Victor Pascal and um, some stuff from Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, Candyman. Obviously, like seeing that at seven. <laughs> well, I just remember I, my dad showed it to me and he then took me to his girlfriend at the time's house. And she had, or at least my memory is that she had mirrors everywhere. <laughs> like she had an, a mirror collection. And so it wasn't just like I was scared of the mirrors later that day in the bathroom. She just had mirrors everywhere. That's amazing. So, yeah. And that movie still gives me chills today. Same. It's a, that's a good it. one. Why do you have so many so, mirrors? Yeah. That's like a nightmare in my head <laughs> to have so many mirrors around you. But good I don't Lord. Like it. Okay, so then now, as an adult, what draws you to the horror genre now? Just the sense of the the visceral feeling you get, the thrill mm -hmm. thing, the just that that visceral roller coaster type of the same reason you go on a roller coaster kind of thing, which is like a, you know it's been said a million times, but that's what it is. I also. I'm always excited to hopefully find a new horror movie that I think is really good, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. Well, then what was the latest, the last horror movie that you saw that made you think this is really good? The Night House. I loved The Night House. There were elements, there was like one aspect of it that I didn't love, but overall I thought it was completely beautiful, especially like the poetry and the ending and, and that kind of stuff. I, I loved what that film was about. Yeah, that's probably the last one I saw that I absolutely loved. But did it scare you and give you that goosebumps feeling? No, no. Um, I just thought okay. it was a good movie. It had some good eerie moments, but I didn't get like chills at all. For me, it was more of like a drama type of yeah. feeling. That movie. I get that. You kind of said how there, you know, people experience fear or have different definitions of fear. What and you said that. Uh, for you, it's that kind of dread, that kind of looking behind you, goosebump type feel. Do you remember the last movie that actually gave that sense to you? Um, yeah, The Vigil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I watched oh. a month or maybe two months ago. I was not expecting. I thought I, I thought it looked good, but I wasn't expecting that. It's very rare that I get the chills. So, um, but I got the chills with The Vigil. I also like fell in love with the main character. I don't know if you've seen it, but oh yeah, I just was like in love with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we love that movie. Uh, He's a cutie. He is a cutie. Yeah, we also good. love that movie because we we talked to the director, and that movie is terrifying. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely the last film that gave me chills, and I'm excited to show it to some friends. Hell yeah, for sure. So okay, you will have directed this movie. 
This movie is called The Outwaters. The Outwaters. It is a found footage movie. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about this film? It's super cute. It's <laughs> yes. like a fun jaunt through the desert. <laughs> if yes. you liked, um, what's that Britney Spears movie where she goes on a road trip? Crossroads. Oh, Crossroads. If you liked Crossroads, it's just like that. And just like mm-hmm. that. some not cute things happen, but ultimately it's like gorge. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's it it's just vibes it's vibes all the way down yeah, no, it's, it's some people and they go into the desert to make a music video and it's very like slice of life and then some bad things happen to them i don't usually go for yeah i like people that's who just fair. like um but yeah i mean you ask me anything you want about it but usually when i talk about it, i just say it's like crossroads <laughs> it's just like crossroads <laughs> just like crossroads that's how i'm going to introduce it i i love uh, that I'm, I'm gonna make some of my friends watch it because i have some friends that don't do horror and i'll be like well this is just like crossroads and they will i have literally like no job so if you want me to edit a trailer with like britney spears oh over it and make the movie look totally different i can just send that to you and you could say let's watch this movie tonight oh my god <laughs> i would love that I, I would love that i think i might do that i'll do that for you Terry. <gasps> thank you robbie Aww. So, okay, so we had talked a little bit before we started recording and we said, no, pause, we have to get this, we have to get this on. So we said that this movie is really fucked up and you said that you didn't think it was fucked up until people started telling you that it was. Elaborate on that. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't think it was that weird or messed up. I thought it was like, you know, a little... Strange in spots, but for <laughs> I didn't think what I was doing with the was that out there. I don't know why. I guess and I understand now. I mean, I knew that the one scene that I don't want to talk about to to give anything away toward, towards the end. I know that that was messed up, but like I've seen worse. <laughs> I just thought, oh yeah, no, like this, this is okay. yeah, this is what would happen if. if these strange things i don't know that was that was a completely incohesive answer but i'm sorry it was the best answer <laughs> let's keep let it remain a mystery i've seen, I've seen worse fair <laughs> i watched it and i was like i have seen worse but not a lot worse <laughs> i've if you don't watch a lot of extreme ex- more extreme ish horror it might be a little off-putting to put it lightly. Because I actually don't like extreme horror personally. Oh, I don't like torture really? stuff. I don't. I don't like I don't like torture. I don't like um I cannot watch a Serbian film. That's you don't not have my to. thing. Don't worry uh, about that one. I'm not into it. Um what actually scares the one thing I guess I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. I, this won't give too much away. I find it very disturbing to see the aftermath of violence. And in the Outwaters, I don't really actually show violence happening to anyone. Like, even that scene, you don't actually, you really don't see it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. True. So, I guess why I was, that's why I get scared when, when I hear, like, I show it to someone and I just don't like connections to the, the Serbian film type of things. Uh, I don't yeah, think yeah. it is that, but I understand why it has that. Anyway, my point is I don't like torture stuff, so it's not that kind of movie, but I guess it is disturbing according to, to peeps. 
I did want to make it disturbing. Well, I succeeded. But it's good. It's good. It's not, I think, but the thing is, I think the way you are doing it is not exploitative. It's like a rumination on things. To put it, I'm trying to, wa- I'm trying to speak broadly here so I don't give things away. But I feel like in a lot of those extreme movies, like with a Serbian film, I have not seen a Serbian film, for, even though I like extreme horror. I don't need to see it. I know it happens. No. I'm good. Like, I think that's taking advantage of like a certain p- moment in like film history, too, where people were looking for that extreme horror. I think mm-hmm. there's a delineation, I feel like now. I think in terms of like different kinds of extreme horror, if that makes sense. Because I really like extreme horror, but there are lines I will not cross. Like August Underground too. Like that's a found footage snuff, like yeah. basically snuff that I will. And this is not this, everybody. Like this is not a film no. that's like August Underground. This is much, it is really good. It's disturbing, but it's not like, it's not going to be like upsetting in the way that a lot of those other films are, I think. Yeah, and I guess when I said I don't like extreme horror, I, I wasn't talking about films like in like the French film Inside yeah. or anything like that. I do like I was just I was more talking about the rape torture, like just to yeah. watch it like, that makes me want to vomit. Yeah. So what what, yeah. what I kind of told no offense. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. I'm a weird. I'm a fucking weirdo who likes that shit. I understand. It's weird. <laughs> what I told Mary Beth when I <laughs> anyway when I watched this for the first time, I. Uh, she had asked me how far or how far I was. And so I had, I like paused the movie because I was fairly certain I was close to the spoiler. end. And I, I was up. like 36 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, she drops a spoiler y'all. And I was like, what? But no, uh, I was, it was 36 minutes from the end. And I was surprised by that because this movie where a lot of like, again, no offense, Mary Beth, but where a lot of fan footage movies end, this movie just continues. And I love that about it is that like, there's a moment where it's like, Oh, I think this is where, the film is going to like have a wrap up and then it just continues from there. And that's what I love about it is that it just, it, the last act pretty much is like this just really intense journey that I think not a lot of found footage films do. And I love that about it. It's what's happening to the people in Blair Witch after they disappear in Mm. my head, like something Mm. like that. Like, They've disappeared and you don't know where they are, and this is where they're stuck. And where they go is with Britney Spears and Crossroads. Right. Yeah. And just start doing that over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm curious though, like where did this kind of idea come from for the Outwaters? I had the name first. I love the word Outland. Mm. Outlands. I love that word. And I just so thinking of that word, I thought of Outwaters, which isn't a word, but and then that was like, that's a that gives me something to explore. Uh, I wanted to make a found footage movie because I don't have any money or resources or a crew or a producer. So I, I, so I thought Outwater's found footage. And then I, I, I love Terrence Malick. And I was like, what if Terrence Malick went to hell hmm. and like did a tree of life type of thing, but in hell now, obviously I'm not saying that with Terrence Malick, he's, he's the best, but that's what I was yeah. going for. I can see um, that. So Yeah. So that's where it started. But it started with the name, The Outwaters, which I like to make titles that are evocative. So I thought that one was because I couldn't stop thinking about the word. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know you said that you didn't really have a crew. You didn't have a, a big budget. But like some of the things that are on here are very effective and kind of showcase like the ability for people to do a lot with a little. Because there is a moment where I was like, what the absolute fuck did I just see? <laughs> and 
I don't want to spoil it for people, but like it's it's we can cut this. Oh yeah, you cut this, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to be able to like expect anything. At least so we'll cut that. I'll, I'll rephrase it differently. But basically, I am curious how you did manage to pull off some of the um, things that happen in this film because they're very effective. <laughs> How's that? Um, I was able to pull off some of the euphemisms that happen in this film. <laughs> I just kept making stuff until it looked real. That's really. I mean, this is what I would say if you're if you're like making shit for a movie, just don't use it if it doesn't look real and if it looks fake, like make it again you heard it here folks make it look real <laughs> i love that and make sure you save some of your budget for britney spears songs oh yeah oh that can i talk about the soundtrack because i was i wanted to talk about that um uh on the overlook hour podcast and i totally forgot but i just like i i got to use songs from a lot of my friends in the film and i just love yeah please do tell us more oh my god well it doesn't have any britney spears songs but um being a no-budget indie film, I had to use songs from my friends, but luckily I have friends who do music, and I don't know, actually, I don't really know if I have anything interesting to say about the soundtrack, other than I think it's super cute, and <laughs> should be something for everybody on it. Uh, but the composer, my friend Salem Belladonna, she was able to create this choir piece for the film, and she also did a dance song for there's a scene where I'm dancing in the kitchen with my friend and drinking. And so she's amazing. And it was like the first time I was ever able to have someone create music for a film I made. And I got to, I was like, can you make this like pop dance song for when I'm like drinking? And then also this choir piece that, <laughs> and I had her listen to Candyman and, oh, and wow. okay. um, the score from uh, the Amityville horror, because I just, I, I feel like the old, I feel like on average film scores are pretty atrocious these days and so generic and, and, but then you go back to even like subpar movies from back in the day and even like some pretty terrible horror movies have beautiful and unique scores. They sure do. And I think what's being lost today is like melody, <laughs> melody and like, you know, anyway, but so I love Salem and she also did the score for Tinsman Road, which is this beautiful piano score. And I love it. Can we include a little bit of it in here? Yeah. Oh my God. When I send you the MP3 of the, the, the piece from Tinsman Road, it's just so beautiful. I was like shocked because she is my friend. You know, you don't think you're going to get like <laughs> something that good from your friend when you have no money to give them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, oh, I do. Um, so we'll, let, let's, uh, let's just take a quick break and I'll, and, and we'll listen to a little bit of the Tinsman Road score because I want to talk to you about that movie. So, um, listeners, here is, uh, the little bit of that, of that song. Thank you. 
as well as the Outwaters it's playing, you and you've talked about it here, Tinsman Road. Can you is are are you in post production on this? What what is this and is it coming out to festivals? What's going on with this one? Tinsman Road is all shot. I have a rough cut. I'm working on getting a I'm working on my next cut of it. It's another found footage film, but I shot it on mini DV, mm. which was really fun, but also a nightmare. Yeah. I forgot what it was like. <laughs> I forgot what it was like to like film something and then not know if the tape would play back correctly. Oh, I did dear. get one of my tapes eaten. Oh no. Um in the camp uh oh. when I pulled out of the camera. Luckily it was only like me doing push-ups and trying to be cute, like a scene that probably wouldn't have wound up in the film anyway. So yeah. But yeah, no, it's, I shot it on mini DV because I wanted, I, Outwaters is found footage and Tinsman Road is found footage. I, did, I wanted to make them totally different vibes, different looks, different stories. Tinsman Road is a straightforward story, mystery drama with a little bit of horror. Um, and I got to change locations from the Outwaters with the hot, hundred degree desert to the autumn and winter, like trees of the Northeast in New Jersey, where I'm from. So it's a very Jersey movie. Okay. And East Coast. I was able to, I shot it on a camera from around 2002. So the film is set around 2002. If I could get the rights to like Brandy's What About Us or Full Moon, I would, but I don't have that budget. And my Avril Lavigne. I want to put all the songs from Let Go on it. Have it playing in the background. You can barely hear it, but you just know it's there. <laughs> just quietly in the background. I'm just going to give this scoop to you first. Exclusive. There will be a day, unless like I die, but like there will be a day where I make a film and the soundtrack will have What About Us by Brandy and um, some songs uh, complicated from, uh, <laughs> from Avril Lavigne's um, debut. And yes. I can't wait for that movie and all, I don't care if the whole budget goes to getting (laughs) those songs, but anyway, you heard it here first. I'm going to hold you to that one. I want to see that. I can't wait. It's going to be the most expensive um, found footage (laughs) movie, but it's going to look really low budget. It's going to have a fucking banger soundtrack. I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. So do you like found footage movies? Like, is that a thing you like? I I know that a lot of people do found footage because of budget constraints and it's like, you know, it is an easier format to work in for low budget. But do you like found footage movies outside of the work you've done? I like it if it's good, just like any other movie. It's, you know. All right. That's fair. uh, I think most of them are... So, I mean, I think most of them are Watch not your good. words. <laughs> <laughs> go to a oh, I, found footage I, festival in a couple days. <laughs> can't stand when people, like, try to edit themselves so they're like, you know, oh, yeah, everything's great. No, like, there's so many bad ones. And so, well, <laughs> I love it look, when the movie's good. So the Blair Witch Project, <laughs> I love, obviously. Willow Creek is actually the film that inspired me to get off my ass and make the outwaters because it was the first time in a while i had seen a found footage film that i thought was like natural and realistic and good and i liked the characters Mm, and for me it's few and far between but yeah i like him i like him if they're good i i i love the format and i for watching it and for filming it it is a unique thing and i like i like yeah, so I would say I like them. I just think most of them aren't that good. <laughs> T. Uh, Terry, have you seen Willow Creek? I actually have not seen Willow Creek. I love it. As someone who worked on a, a show about Bigfoot, it's very accurate to the weirdo Bigfoot community. So 
I went on a road trip during the pandemic to the actual t- Willow Creek because of the movie, and I I camped out in Willow in in uh, that town with my friend. I went to all the places that they filmed. I mean, this is so dorky, but like I went to all the places I that they filmed, it. and it's such a cute town. If you ever get up to northern. It's like deep in the woods, like northern Northern California, but it's such a cool little town that is centered around Bigfoot. Was that the one that was directed by uh, Bobcat? Bobcat, yeah, yeah. Did you see yeah. Bigfoot? Did you experience Bigfoot? No, but it's funny because all the people camping out there, a lot of them are there because of Bigfoot, so they all make the the noises like the ooh, ooh, ooh thing. So you hear that all night. Yeah. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Someone just needs to tell him he doesn't exist. I went bigfooting once and I learned how to make the calls and how to do the knocking with the baseball bat on a trunk to make it sound like you're like a mating call. So you have I to saw- watch Willow Creek tonight. <laughs> it's not even, it's not long. I can't watch it tonight. I have to watch the South by oh. screener. Oh. Fucking film festival bullshit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. I love film festivals. I'm going to one and I'm, in, yeah, sorry, film festivals. Me too. <laughs> but wait, okay, before I move on to what we talked about, well, we, we're talking about Tinsman Road, but what is Tinsman Road about? Tinsman Tell Road is about this total homo named uh, Robbie that goes back to New Jersey, and <laughs> um, my sister's been so not funny. Okay, it's about, uh, <laughs> about a guy that goes home. He moves back in with his mom a few years after his sister went missing, and his mom <laughs> believes the house is haunted. So not funny. I'm sorry. And it's such well, like just like Crossroads. Was about um, is like the Outwaters, Tinsman Roads, like Mamma Mia. Oh my god! Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. The one that's chair. Is there a mus- Is it a musical? It's a musical. Yeah. Actually, what's interesting is the next movie I want to make is a musical, and it's not horror. I want that. Do you write music? Do you write music? Yes. Really? I have a few songs on the Outwaters soundtrack too. Oh fuck yeah! Cool. Check it out. The spell is my best song. The spell. Hell yeah. Damn. It's like when they're doing shots in the beginning, when me and my brother are doing shots in the beginning, that's my song, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's not supposed to be me, though, like, in the r- world of the film, like, that'd be weird, but, uh, you know, I had no budget for music, so I used my own stuff. Is it available for people to listen to anywhere? It's on Spotify. Spotify? The Outwater, oh, that's what I want. The Outwater soundtrack playlist is on Spotify. Most of the songs from the movie are on there, not all of them yet, but most of them are. And I've sent it to Mary Beth, like, a few times. <laughs> I have it. I was going to say, can you send it so that we can like include in our show notes? Yeah. Yeah. Totes. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking for my missing sister. My mom is like a little, you know, going through it. And it's a mystery with drama and ultimately some horror. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. And the trailer will be before the film at UFO. Um, okay. We've talked about all of your cool stuff, Robbie. But what movie are we talking about today that you brought with you? Glitter. <laughs> it's my favorite. You were so ready. You were so ready. It scarred me. I saw it for the first time when I was 23 in Australia with my friend Kieran. He was like, you've never seen Glitter? And I was like, no, I haven't. And so we watched it and ate Chinese food. And then <laughs> I haven't watched it since. It's terrifying. It's <laughs> terrible. No, we're talking about what are we talking about? Oh, the changeling with Angelina Jolie. Wait. <laughs> no, no. I'm like, I don't know if I watched the right movie. What's happening? Yeah, the cha- changeling with Angelina Jolie. Oh my god, it came out in like the ninety. 90- no, okay. 
We're talking about the changeling with George C. Scott <laughs> and Trish Vanderveer or whatever. We should. <laughs> Every time the name pops up on the beginning of the movie, it's like Trish. But I hope I'm not remembering that wrong. But I just feel like Trish Vanderveer. I guess we'll find out. I lived on Vander off of Vanderveer Road on in New Jersey, so I could be not important. That's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I also lived on Vroom Drive. Vroom Drive. Vroom? Like Vroom Vroom? Like Vroom Vroom um, in Bridgewater, New Jersey, if you want to stalk. What a what amazing name <laughs> for mom. a street. Vroom yeah. Drive. No, The Changeling. It's the only film that ever made me cry. <laughs> Holy oh. shit. Uh, so before we get into that, let me just super quickly read a plot synopsis for The Changeling. Um, so in The Changeling... After the death of his wife and daughter in a car crash, a music professor staying at a long, vacant Seattle mansion is dragged into a decades-old mystery by an inexplicable presence in the mansion's attic. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so you kind of spoiled a little bit, but I want to hear your horror story about this. When did you see it? How old were you? And why is this your Scarred for Life pick? And why did it make you cry? Okay, I must have... I was between the ages of 8 and 10... I had already seen films like Candyman and Jaws and a bunch of other R- lots of R-rated films. So I, you know, I had seen a lot. For whatever reason, uh, I just, my dad had it on and I started crying and made him turn it off. And that's like never happened in my life. And if you want the moment, is that what you yes. want? The moment? Oh, it's when all the audio goes out and you just hear Joseph's voice playing back on the tape as the camera like zooms through all the hallways and downstairs. There is something, I just literally got chills. Uh, There's something about the way that the idea of that scene with the voice and the sound design and the camera movement that just cut like right through me. And I just remember I started crying and my dad was probably really confused because I had, you know, like I saw Candyman. but yeah, I made him turn it off. Wow. Yeah. That is not the moment I would have picked for this because uh, I remember seeing this movie when I was in my, my teens and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it honestly, it would, it would, for me, I thought it would be the, the drowning boy scene because that was traumatizing, but it's actually the really well done seance moment. that sounds like where the, they're, he's listening to the tape afterwards and he's like saying, That that moment as the camera starts doing its I literally have chills right now. <laughs> I have not had chills since a guy showed up to my door at two in the morning a couple months ago, banging on it. Oh. <laughs> Are you safe? <laughs> Are you okay? Where's that story going? <laughs> Just the last time I got chills. <laughs> no, I hook up too much, so I don't have a vetting process on Grinder. So wait, was that a hookup um, or was it a random dude who banged on your door that that loud? Then it was a hookup that later came back. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. And um, he's like, "Let me in, let me in," and I was. It was like I, I was woken up out of sleep by like banging on my door. And I looked through the peephole and I was like, fuck, what is this shit? This is why I got an apartment on the second floor so I did not have to deal with this shit. 
and there's just like a guy in my peephole like let me in let me in I, was, I just was silent hoping he would go away and he just sat in front of my door and then I eventually found like was able to like get my wits about me and understand that it was someone I had hooked up with a couple of days prior and but he was not able to explain why he was at my door or what he your eyes are like horrified so anyway he eventually went away but that's the story so the so that brought you back to uh to, to the change lane so to bring it back to the change lane wow i forgot where we were chills getting chills for the first like getting chills for the first time since that terrifying man was at your door uh with terry talking about the voice floating through the hallways of this ginormous oh. fucking house mm-hmm Sorry, I derailed that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's incredible. No, I was I I say that house because the house to me is like, holy shit! One obviously iconic and beautiful, but also I was like, how can one person occupy this home? How can a family of four occupy this home? These houses mm. are so ridiculously huge. I don't understand the necessity for it. And this is just me being a brat. I'm just like, you just have this empty house sitting on your property. And like, obviously, people are saying it's haunted and all that shit. But it's just, yeah, you can just move into this house by yourself with just, you know, a couple things and you live in this ginormous house. And of course, it's a fucking ghost in the house. <laughs> well, he rented it from the historical society so he could do his little musics. <laughs> Relatable. Look at that many rooms. Look at that many rooms. <laughs> you know, I actually I have a feeling that back in when this was filmed and back in that time, it might not have been that expensive to do something like that through a place like the Historical Society. Not if they hadn't rented it in twelve years. I mean, that shit probably was cheap. That's true. Such a beautiful, like the 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 interiors of that. Oh, it's film gorgeous. Oh, so okay, but so you stopped it. Did you go back and watch it later, or I don't remember how. Much later, I, I finished it. I don't know if it was the next day in the daytime or the next month. I, I, I remember I saw the whole thing shortly after that. I, I probably felt like I was being a baby and like I, t- I tend to do that if I get scared of something or like back down from something. I, I tend to go back to it pretty quickly. So Ooh. that's sort of like me, except I would just watch the sequel and then it'd be fine. That was like my coping Angel mechanism. Too, with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just had to wait like what? 28 years. <laughs> Something like that. Wait, so Terry, I want to hear your story with this one. Because I've seen some notes on it. And now I want to hear the whole fucking thing. Because I'm very curious about when you first saw this movie. Okay, so I was in high school. And I was dating this girl that would become a religious nut. I think I've mentioned her on the podcast before. Where like she found her mom and family found religion to the point that they thought that dinosaur bones were placed there by Satan to confuse people. I put them there. I, I knew that about you, Robbie. I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> this is why we brought you on the podcast to reveal the Surprise. truth about dinosaurs. Surprise. It was me. Yeah, so she, her family ended up be, being nuts. But like, as a little closeted queer boy in the 90s, it was good to have a girlfriend to deflect these ideas. Uh, and she was my beard. And I just didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> How does she feel? Did she ever find... Oh, I have not talked to her since then. Okay, cool. I was like, I wonder if she ever no, found out I, if you were out. Okay. The moment she started talking in tongues, I was kind of out. <laughs> that is so hot. <laughs> 
It really wasn't. Robbie puts in grinder profile and must speak in tongues. I'll do that right now. <laughs> Please right. do it and, and let us know what kind of people you get messaging you. Uh, yeah, so they, they were super religious, but like it was weird because it was with them that I saw Titanic and she would introduce me to yeah, yeah. And she would introduce me to this movie because her mom would, would say, Hey, do you want to see something really scary? And I was like, sure. <laughs> to you or to me? Because I feel like her concept of scary would be very different. But anyway, obviously. She I, I mean, I was like, I was sort of like, sure. Like, wh- where are we going to go with this? Because I know you guys are, are like religious. And this was before the whole Titanic thing. Where, I was, where she was like, now you're going to see some breasts in this movie. But it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's biological. Like that was a, and so it was me, her mom, and this this girl going to see Titanic. Yeah, it, it was weird. But anyway, this movie said, "Do you really want to see something really scary?" I was like, "Sure." And there are three moments in this movie that have been seared in my head ever since I saw it. It would have been, I would, it would probably was in like I don't know, ninety six, I think, ninety six or ninety seven was when I probably ninety seven was when I saw this. And it was first, it was, it was all around Joseph. First, it was the boy floating in the tub. That brief moment, like, was like, oh, I was not expecting to see that. And then it was the moment that the father picks up the boy's legs and drowns him in the pool. Just like that whole one move action of him grabbing his legs and then forcing him in the pool and the kid being not, unable to get back up. I was like, oh, God, that's a horrible way to die. What if, what if that happened to me? What if I fall in on my back and I can't use my legs and get up? Like, these are the thoughts going through my, 17 year old head at the time and then it was finally was the, it was it her whole family was it her whole family watching this with you it's no, like the three of you it was just the three of us me her and and i have a lot of questions but we won't worry about that right now i just have a lot of questions about that that, that triptych <laughs> that uh that, that's that's that threesome going on but I, that's fine we won't I have talk so about many it. like memories that are popping <laughs> in right now there's one time where she like showed me this picture of something she's like do you know what this is and like I didn't know what it was, <laughs> but it was a picture what? of her uvula. She was having throat <laughs> surgery or something. And I guess it looks like a vagina. And I at the time was like, I have no idea. She's like, you can say it. It looks like a vagina. She's like, but it's not. And I was like, so this is this is how long like, did you date her? Oh my god, I don't even know. I like my my idea of time in the in the in my high school is so whack i have no idea it could have been a year it could have been six months i don't know i felt like we started dating over the summer and it like just lasted throughout most of that year i don't know it was very weird super cute and healthy (laughs) she broke up with me Oh, because I wasn't. Maybe she could call in next week. You and- believed in you believed in fucking dinosaurs, you goddamn heretic. <laughs> no, I remember her giving me like the this fantasy novel because she knew I liked to read fantasy, but it was like a a Christian fantasy novel. Like it was like it was it was magic and all that kind of stuff, but it was all Christian themed and. Yeah, uh, very weird. I know we're derailing about the change. Like, I'm so sorry. I had so many, I have no. so many questions about her <laughs> and this incredible dynamic. But what was the third thing that scared you besides the, the weird mother daughter relationship <laughs> evolving next to you while you were watching the Changeling <laughs> as a Probably high school well. student? When when the girl is like <laughs> at the very at the very end of the movie, where the girl is like they've they've dug up the well. And the girl is sleepwalking and she walks into it, looks down, and then there's the boy yeah. is just floating there. Which, by the way, 
that's the boy. That's the actor's IMDb profile picture. Is the pool? Is the well scene? His name? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. His name is Voldy Way. He's only been in. <laughs> well, it's okay. Drag queen. He's only, drag yes, queen. he's only been in three things. Um, and his his bio is just is beautiful. Voldy Way was born in a VW bus to his flower children parents. Home educate <laughs> until oh. home educate <laughs> until the age of eleven when he co-founded a software company in Santa Ana, California, and then he attended Orange Coast College and until his early teens, and then he decided he needed more exposure, and then yeah, yada yada yada. But yeah, I just love that. I, I just love that he was born in a VW to his flower children parents is on IMDb. But regardless, okay. that scene is what has been stuck in my head since. Uh, gosh. I don't, I don't know. I don't do math. 1997-ish, however many years that is from now. It's like 20... Oh, 25. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I hadn't thought about this movie until, um, like, when was it? 2018, 2019, when Severin did the, the Blu-ray release of it? Because it wasn't, it wasn't really readily available here in the States, I didn't think. And then that came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is so great. And now we're talking about it. And about Uvalis. Or whatever they're called. Do you know what this is? No. You can say it. It looks like a vagina. <laughs> so cute. <Wow. laughs> Romance. Awkward. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Okay, so I have a confession. I have a confession to make about something you said, Terry, about the young girl and the well. I mm. wanted to be that little girl. I wanted to find a ghost like that. Like, my dream as a child was to have an experience where I could dramatically find a ghost like that in a dead body. Like, I wanted so badly to be that weirdo little girl. Really? That's the spirit of Pinsman Road. Like, we go looking for, you know, like, I, my, the two, um, I, my two oldest friends, Nancy and Heather, we all grew up together in this apartment complex in Piscataway, New Jersey. And we used to tell each other ghost stories and go ghost hunting. We even went to the library looking at old um, newspaper things, like in the Changeling, when they mm. we were trying to find out if Microfish. anyone died in our apartment complex. Because my friend Nancy said she saw two men in red hats standing over her bed in the middle of the night. And like, yeah, so I wanted to capture a little bit of that thing in the in Tinsen Road. So we did a little seance scene, but yeah. Ooh. Yeah, like I so badly like I, I this was the first time I had seen the changeling. I'd never seen it before until this. So I'm very glad I finally saw it. And the scene where she walks and finds like the the like sees the little boy in the well, like I didn't, but I did want that to happen to me as a kid. Like I wanted to have this like transcendent ghostly experience so badly. I never really did. I think I saw a ghost once, but it was a dog, um, which, you know, is kind of cool in retrospect. But I never had that moment, and I so badly wanted it. Like, my, this is, like, a very weirdly specific memory I have of – we used to live by this, like, public beach. And I used to live on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, so, like, the water is disgusting. It's, like, not a great place to swim, but, you know, whatever. When you're in Maryland, you swim in shitty water. <laughs> I so badly wanted to be the girl that found a dead body in that water for so – I don't know why. Like, please don't ask me why I was a fucking weird child, but, like, I so badly wanted to be the kid that, like, saw a ghost or found a dead body or, like, had some creepy story to go along with it. And the changeling reminded me of that fact – I had not thought about that in a long time, but here we are. I've never found Did that body. Did you stand by me when you were growing up? Because that might have 
that could have inspired I, that. I, 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 I did not, I didn't really, I hadn't watched it because my mom didn't want me seeing that because of the dead body. But I had, I did not see it. I just watched a lot of scary movies and like a lot of like poltergeist and ghost stuff. So I really wanted to have the ghost experience, even though I didn't. It's one of those things where, like, ghosts – because this, again, like, this movie kind of proves, like, ghosts are fucking terrifying. But at the same time, I wanted to say that I had had, like, an experience. I never did, though, unfortunately. Or fortunately. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, I digress. I did. You did? did? Yeah. Tell um, – tell, tell now if you're comfortable. If you're from New Jersey, there's a magazine there called Weird New Jersey on it. <gasps> Yeah, I've heard of it. All of us from high, like this is a New Jersey thing to do when you're growing up. Is you get the weird New Jersey magazine, you try to drive to places, find stuff. You know, it's amazing. Uh, so shout out weird New Jersey. But we would always do that. I was always also looking for ghosts, trying to have an experience. But my grandmother's house in Highland Park, everyone in my family always said it was haunted. I always got bad feelings there. Insert in two rooms. Uh, there was an upstairs bedroom. I would have that chill feeling mm. in it. And the basement, you know, which is pretty typical. But my grandmother was out of town and she let me stay at the house by myself. I brought my camcorder <laughs> and got dropped off and just, I, it wasn't even dark yet. I wasn't even starting to get scared. I was just on the phone with, it, I think, one of my friends. And all of a sudden I got the chill feeling and on this, I just felt like someone was standing at the top of the steps mm. watching me. And I was, I was sitting with my back to the staircase and I just felt like I can't move. If I look up, someone's going to be there. Yeah. That was the feeling. It was horrifying. And then upstairs you hear, Oh no. Like, it sounded like someone was <laughs> Like, not just footsteps, like, thudding, thundering across the house upstairs. You could feel the vibrations. Um, it sounded like someone was knocking down furniture. It was just very loud and unmistakable and very much in that house. Uh, I, uh, that said, I totally froze. I ran outside, and then I called my friend Nancy and had her mom drop her off so she would spend the rest of the night with me. You didn't even leave. You just stayed. <laughs> I stayed. I just needed my friend Nancy. So her mom dropped her off with some pizza. Very Jersey. And me and Nancy stayed over. Um, I guess her mom knew I was gay because they should have been worried about two high school kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in the morning, me and Nancy were in the kitchen and and something just fell off the wall on the staircase in the other room. And and then we both heard footstep things too. So I actually don't know if I believe in ghosts or not, but that's the thing where I really couldn't explain, explain what was happening. It was, it was an unmistakable thundering. Sorry to pound the, the walls and um, jar you. No, glad you did. But (laughs) taking that back to the changeling though, because that is, that is how Joseph gets the, tries to get the attention. And I, I love the way that like the, <clears throat> the spooks in this are in the beginning, at least him trying to be heard with like the banging on the, the walls, the, the way that he uses one of the things watching this, this time that I really loved is the way that they use water and the faucets to like, so it'll be a, a breadcrumb to lead him up the stairs to the, the bathtub where <laughs> the horrifying dead kid in the tub uh, scene happens. But like, 
I, I, I love that aspect of it where the ghost at the beginning is trying to get be heard and then he becomes a little bit more vicious towards the end of the movie. But I love that with the pounding because that it's something that when I rewatched it this time that just reminded me of watching it for that first time. It's like, oh, yes, the, the clanging. It's such a specific sound in this film. For sure. Well, and like, again, like, speaking to that is how quick this movie moves. Mm. Like this movie jumps right into the ghost. Like you have this really traumatic opening sequence where there's a phone booth on the side of a snowy mountain and they're having a snowball fight. And this horrendous car accident happens. And then we just go right to him moving out of the apartment and you see their empty apartment and then he's in the house. Like it's very quick to move through things, but not in a way that I think is a detriment to the movie. I think it just doesn't kind of very quickly characterizes everything and kind of gets you set up. And then the ghosts just start appearing. Like the ghost shit happens immediately. Like he wakes up to like the pounding sound. And so it's, I love movies like this where they just get into the ghost. You're not like, is it a ghost? Is it his brain? You don't know what it is. Like, no, 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 it's a fucking ghost. Like, it's, and we're going to talk about the ghost for the whole movie. Because I feel like a lot of haunted house movies, the ghost is like the back half. It's not really like the front half. And this is a movie that's like, no, no, the ghost is the thing almost the entire film, which is very much appreciated, I think, in terms of the ghost movies. For me. One thing I wanted that stood out to me is like the, the red and white ball that he throws mm. off of the bridge. When it comes back, just the detail of having it slick with water still is such a beautiful little poetic detail that I think is missing from a lot of stuff today. Like those little things, I just appreciate. I I just appreciate the little details like that and the changeling. Yeah, this movie definitely gets the details right. I, I love, I think when I was watching this, I was thinking, man, this is the movie that a lot of modern haunted house stories are like trying to emulate. And I think watching this this time, especially coming off of like watching The Conjuring and a lot of James Wan's uh, kind of ghostly oeuvre, I think this movie influenced a lot. There's a lot of those kind of camera tricks the sort of the slow panning that there's the the shot um when he's moving in the house that the the camera that starts to turn around the room and then leaves the room to go see george c scott's character john playing the piano and there's all these little camera things in here that i think are just so smart i I mean probably this movie is a little bit influenced by the shining i think maybe in the in the cinematography department but i feel like a lot of this movie feels more modern than you would expect a 1980 ghost story to be. Was it 1980, The Changeling? Mm -hmm. Because The Shining came out 1980 as well, so they might not have even even seen that. They might not have, you're right. Oh, true. I'm not sure, but I would imagine they didn't see it, because back then, you know, the turnaround with a movie being (laughs) in theater. Well, and, like, they have these moments that I'm so used to seeing in, like, the no, you know, and I noticed you talked this, Terry, like with The Conjuring and like our, our like contemporary haunted house movies that are so scary. But here, like you have the door opening behind him, the piano note playing, waiting. And there's that particular moment when he comes home from trying to confront the senator and all of the doors start slamming and the, the camera is like spinning around and all of these noises. And that felt, it feels very ahead of its time, I think, to me, in terms of a ghost story, in terms of how they have all these. Like, obviously, closing doors aren't revolutionary, but the way it's shot and the way we have this kind of culmination of this ghostly anger happening and, like, kind of that chaotic energy around how we see it and how we're more closely occupying his kind of mindset rather than someone watching him being haunted. It's like we're part of the haunting in a really interesting way that makes it so scary. And 
you know, I've at this point yeah. I've seen so many ghost movies, but this one really is, I feel like, a quintessential ghost movie, a quintessential haunted house movie, and really knows how to get you, like fucking scare you. Yeah. I also went method for preparing for this episode of the podcast because I watched this movie in the bathtub, so I was scared <laughs> because I was like, oh, oh fuck, I did not realize that there would be a lot of weird bath imagery. So yes, I went very, I went, it was like dark candles watching a movie in my bathtub and it was the changeling and it was spooky. It was so spooky. I usually watch Jaws 2 from the bathtub or like The Real Housewives with wine. <laughs> Wait, Robbie, that's what I usually do. I usually watch Real Housewives. I'll smoke a bowl and watch Real Housewives in my bathtub. I had to watch oh the changing God. I will do a it. line or two of blow. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> getting ready for the fucking Housewives. Getting ready for the Housewives. Yeah, no, Housewives of Beverly Hills in New Jersey. Those are my girls. Girls. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I won't talk about this now. But um, yes, I also am a real housewife in the bath. I'm just going to keep... I, I talked about this on the um, Overlook Hour podcast, but I do want to just keep putting it out into the universe that I would like to make the Real Housewives found footage horror movie. I'll produce it. Thank you. Um, I want to do it just like a Real Housewives episode with in terms of the crew and how it's filmed. I want to get all the real drama going on with like Ramona, Kyle, put some people together from different cities. And then I want it to turn into a, a realistic something bad happens. But it's going to be a mix of um, real drama. Obviously, they're going to be in on the fact that they're in a movie, but we are going to put them on a vacation somewhere and have them actually just go at it. Uh, and I know just how to do it. And I'm just putting it out there. I do really want to work with Kyle Richards as an actress. Thanks. <laughs> Andy Cohen, hire me for that. Yeah. Because that would be incredible. Manifesting. Wouldn't it? I mean, can you imagine Ramona, about this a lot. Singer, Ramona Singer, like, walking down a dark hall with a flashlight? Like, sh- <sighs> I want her to be the villain. <laughs> that can be arranged. But yeah, no, I just, it needs to be a thing. That's all. I've never seen a single episode. Well. I'm a bad gay. I was a bad gay until um, the pandemic. <laughs> No, I used to watch New Jersey and um, Beverly Hills when I lived in New Jersey back mm-hmm. in the day when they were first on because my mom was watching them. And I, I back then I was very like judgy and I but I secretly loved it. And then I just like didn't do any reality TV until the pandemic. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to season two of Jer- of Jersey and uh, Beverly Hills and just start from there. And now it's like literally as soon as the episode becomes available on Amazon Prime, I pay for it and. There you go. The closest I've ever been is watching 30 Rock, and there's two episodes called Queen of Jordan that are done like a spoof of those. And that's about as close as I've ever gotten. It's so good. <laughs> Just for your listeners, I know this is why they're tuning in, but the <laughs> mid-season trailer for Real Housewives of New Jersey season 12 just was released on YouTube. Check it out. It looks cray. <laughs> <laughs> Did you edit it? <laughs> <laughs> was that you? Did you create? Did you make the trailer? Are you doing some work for Bravo? I love it. No. But speaking of the Real Housewives, uh, George C. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that segue? That transition? That's an incredible segue. Perfectly normal and natural, wasn't it? Perfectly normal and natural was incredible. And me calling it out makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at uh, at our at our notes, and uh, I see um, a note from from you, Mary Beth, that. Um, I think you should say on air. Um, 
So <laughs> I, word for word, I'm sorry, but he made me go daddy. Yeah. I think he's kind of hot. He- I have a thing for older guys. Oh, I just put it together. Yeah, I think I, I, the guy, the main lead man, John, <sighs> George C. Scott, made me go daddy. And I don't really want to unpack that a lot with you guys, but here I am. By the that makes Sorry. me want to thank you for the podcast in which you discussed that Boy Next Door movie. Because I had always thought the Boy Next Door was the movie Careful What You Wish For. I had no idea there was a whole new hot guy in a movie like that. And so I watched it and I was just like so turned on and thank you for that. You're welcome. welcome. We're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. I'm trying. But there was just something about his vibe. And again, I like I like older actors and like maybe less conventionally attractive looking men. Um I say this is I'm not engaged to a guy only two years older than me. Like, it's not manifesting in my actual dating life, but, like, in my weird lizard brain, I like older dudes. Um, you ever think of spraying that gray hairspray on my <laughs> He's actually, um, he's actually bald, so. <laughs> oh. So. You can still try it. Yeah, <laughs> just rub it in. Dye his skin gray. <laughs> just tell him to take up smoking. And he'll get wrinkles quicker. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> he's okay, but, but George C. Scott is so good in this. I think I he's in, but this is the thing: he's so good in it. And he's so tender. He's like a sweetie a little bit, and I think that's why I like him. He's very vulnerable in this. Like I, I forgot about the scene where he has like a nightmare of seeing his his wife and daughter get run over again. And then he wakes up and he's he's bawling in bed. There's a, a tenderness that I don't think necessarily like I've not seen him in, in a whole lot of stuff, but everything I've seen George C. Scott in, it's always like the sort of the the masculine, like the the traditional yeah. masculine character that we see in a lot of like early cinema. Like he was in Patton, he played Patton. He was, you know, he was in Doctor Strange Love. He played a general. Like these are the types of roles I associate with with him. It's not this sort of like tender composer you know what i mean there's like this one moment i think that really stood out to me with that too is when he's practicing with his students it's like a a string quartet and he's playing the piano and he you know he's built up to be this like very famous composer a lot of people know who he is like you know on a lot of movies you see these kinds of men being very rude and kind of Mm. egotistical but he's very sweet he's like that was so good it was like that was splendid here's some notes but that was great and there's like a kindness to him that i don't think you see in a lot of these kind of leading male characters in horror especially in like the late 70s early 80s that struck me because i was i not knowing a lot about this movie i was like oh god is this gonna be another like white guy like being the hero and there is some of that in this movie but it's much more like you said a a much more emotionally complex than i was expecting Especially because it is just him for a lot of the movie, kind of going through these experiences and reflecting on his past mm-hmm. and like his trauma. So yeah, it was it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, and I'll, what I'll also say is that uh, the the there's a scene where he's composing and he's sitting in his piano and he's playing and he's really feeling the music, and it mm-hmm. it felt very. Um, authentic because my my dad played piano a whole lot he was in the bands he he like had a baby grand would play the piano and his mannerisms 
brought me back to watching my dad play. Like he would get so pulled up in the music that it felt so like surprisingly authentic and, and grounded in, in reality. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I realized this time just how nuanced of a performance and of an actor that he actually is in this as well as being a daddy. And he played Patton, which is weird. I said daddy. And then I looked down at the notes and said he played Patton. And I was like, Oh no, I did this to me. Why did I say this? I said what I said. Which he refused the Oscar for, by the way, which is... Interesting. Yeah, he didn't like the Oscars. I mean, good for him. He said they were a meat market. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds wow. like a good time to me, but... <laughs> wow. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> wow. Uh, but okay, so also... <laughs> moving away from meat market... The other thing that surprises me is how big this story actually is. Because, like, I was thinking in, in yes. terms of, like, how haunted house movies are usually very self-contained. And it's like, yes, they have to figure out why the character died and why the ghost was, you know, the vengeance aspect of it. But no, it's normally a lot of them are contained to that house. And it's just, like, it affects the people that are living there. And that's about it. Whereas, like, this, it kind of takes like the idea of almost some, I'm not saying this is a noir, but it takes some ideas of noir where like the kind of central mystery of the house becomes bigger than anyone anticipated and is actually about the career of a politician and his like legacy and his like whole like self-worth in the world is tied up in this little tiny ghost that is living in this house. And I think that's kind of fascinating. I agree. And I also was, I was pretty surprised at how big the scope got and i was mm -hmm. also like holy shit once again rich people really like <laughs> wanting to hold because this whole it all comes down to wanting to hold on to that legacy and like mm -hmm. trying to figure out ways to hold on to legacy and it is fascinating how it, I, it always will be fascinating to me about the, like the fascination and obsession with legacy because i'm I'm getting married this year and people keep asking me, are you going to take his last name? And mm. there's like a legacy thing there with like, oh, are you going to continue on the family name? I'm like, no, um, I will not be taking the name. And I also don't want kids. So there's this like that kind of got into my head a little bit about just like the importance, the weird importance of legacy to a lot of people and like the like wanting to maintain that. And I know in this movie, there's like obviously money and property kind of attached to it. So it's a little bit more physical, like a little bit more tangible, but still these movies, these ghost stories really do kind of show off these very like, archaic ideals that aren't as archaic, aren't that old about what you need to do to keep your family lineage and keep your kind of like monetary value alive, which is mm -hmm. really dark is really fucking dark so that got into my brain a lot too and like you said like the politician's legacy like holy shit like that kind of throws everything into like a tailspin too this is not what you expect from a typical haunted house no film. right exactly like all of a sudden it's like a political conspiracy and you're like whoa what the fuck like i thought this was just like a haunted little boy Nope. She loses her job. They're going to kill his lease. Like, a policeman comes to antagonize them. Like, it's it's surprisingly big. Yeah, she's fucking fired. Like, that whole thing where it's like all falls apart. And it's like, oh, by the way, like, y'all, this is... <laughs> if you didn't want people to think it was a big thing, surprise, bring in the police chief and cancel everything to be like, you, dig, you dug too You're deep, You're on to something there. 
But I am curious. Do, do you think the Senator Carmichael knew? I, I personally, I don't, based on the, the, his reaction to finding out. But my other thing, my the one pause I have to that, and maybe I'm misreading this, didn't that older woman call him and say yeah. they've been digging around a little bit? So I kind of got the impression that maybe if he didn't know the full extent, like he knew something was up because I think he's like kind of tries to stop it, stop them at certain points, but doesn't really admit to it. So I think he knew at least something about what was going on. I, at least I do. When he's looking at the, um, you know, what's it called? He just seems like in that moment, there's something warring within him about, uh, you know, him really believing that was his, uh, but yeah, I, I guess that what you're talking about also contradicts that he didn't know. And that's why I wanted to ask this question because Robbie, I'm kind of on watching it this time. I'm kind of on 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 your side of things where it's like I I I don't well, think. Well then. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the moment we can turn this into a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills talking heads confessional. <laughs> I cannot believe that Mary Beth thought that he did that. I mean. <laughs> Just. Can you believe it? Dumb bitch can't even watch a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but, oh. but the, there, it's the very ten, it's kind of a tender moment where he's like looking at the the medallions, and it's like I think sinking in for the first time that that his whole legacy is fake. And so I do also, Mary Beth, I do I agree because there is that phone call from the lady, and so I'm wondering if he knew like maybe something happened. But he's not 100% sure about it because, like, it's not until he's sitting there looking at both of those that I think it really sinks in that his whole legacy is based on a lie, which is really sad. <laughs> like, yes, he's a rich white Republican. And but like the fa- if you were to find out that, like, it's all based on a, on a lie and someone died for it, that's it's really quite it's really quite sad and tragic. Yeah. Is this human? Human? Well, it's like, it's sad. And then also just like, kind of makes you realize like, also legacy's bullshit. Like anyone can say that you're somebody like it's a name is just a name. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, in the like, because, and I see what the thing is, like, I see what you mean with him not knowing because when he comes, when John goes to the airfield and is waving the baptism medallion, which I didn't realize we got baptism medallions, where the fuck is my baptism medallion? Uh, not that I, I care. Sorry. You, you have one? Oh, I'm so jealous. No, no, I have yours. Oh, you have mine? Oh, yeah. you were there? Yeah. Wow. That is, so, like, I, I've never been baptized, but it just reminded like, I just had this again. You've never been baptized? Oh, my God, you're doomed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, you're missing out. It's a wild time. <laughs> like, when I was baptized, I was rolling. <laughs> So fun. Wild. What it just reminded me of again is um my girlfriend <laughs> trying to save me. <laughs> oh I just had like a strong like flash of that of her trying to save my eternal soul. Was it like in Carrie? Eve was weak. Did she, did she say Eve was weak to you? She did not. She did not say that. My mom's like, Adam for Adam, Adam for Adam see their dirty pillows <laughs> wait did you ever kiss her like did your lips make contact at any point in this relationship i do not think so i do not remember because wow I think, okay i think when she broke up with me she told me that i was not affectionate with her and i'm like <laughs> and you were like oh no don't know why 
My first girlfriend broke up with me for the same reason. I wouldn't even sit next to her on the school bus. <laughs> I think I was pretty much annoyed that she was like wanting to hold my hand and everything. And I'm like, can we just Sam. say that we're boyfriend girlfriend and just be done with it? Like, what is all of this? <laughs> I, I just, oh my god, I, like memories are flooding back in that I haven't thought about in years because of this. Because I remember going to a dance and she is like rubbing up on me and just like <laughs> smashing herself and i'm just like i don't know how to react to this where's jesus now <laughs> yeah seriously whatever happened to being jesus between us like no you're like i'm dating you because you believe in jesus and you won't smash your body again oh that was a, a weird homecoming and i think it was like three weeks later that she broke up with me you wouldn't smash I wouldn't Sorry. smash i got asked to homecoming dance by a girl and i was like no <laughs> I said no to it. You weren't even trying. You were just like, no, fuck that. No. (laughs) Mm -mm, Sorry. Well, yeah, I would have gone with Mr. Shaw, though. He was hot. With who? Mr. Shaw. Oh. He taught reading back, or literature, whatever. whatever. (laughs) Reading. Maybe it's a Jersey thing, but one of our classes was reading. Oh. Was it did you really? Have, you never had reading class with Mr. Shaw? No, I did I not, missed, No, I did not have Mr. Shaw. He was I feel not like I'm missing out. Teacher. So hot. But none of my male teachers were hot. I just remember one of them would, like, wear these really tight polos, and his nipples were always hot, and they'd just be sticking out. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I had to deal with. This episode is very chaotic. I feel like it's it's memory lane for Terry. I feel like he's like reliving some weird traumas right now that I'm very interested in. So so many like suppressed memories are coming to the surface. I'm enjoying the wild ride that is this podcast. I don't even know. So many memories are coming back because of the fucking changeling. I can't believe she wanted to save you. Yeah. And then she talked in tongues. She wanted but to did she say Eve was weak to you? She did not. Oh. That's rude. No. Did, did her mom say Eve was weak to you? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that phrase come out of either of them. So no, probably not. Oh. Okay. She was too busy showing me her u- uvul- uvula. <laughs> Wait, that was her mom that did that? Yes. Not a girl. <gasps> I thought it was just your girlfriend, no. not the mom. It was the mom. Yeah. Hashtag scarred for life for real. That's a scarred for life tale, but like... It- not scary movie. And I hadn't thought about it in years until today. You're welcome. So thanks, Robbie. (laughs) Well, check out The Outwaters starring Britney Spears. (laughs) What if Robbie ripped up a mask that's surprise it's me and it's it's your ex-girlfriend from high school? (laughs) Or her brother? (laughs) (laughs) That would be so funny. Scarred for life. Anyway. Um, so, okay. Do we want to wrap this up and give this a rating out of five? Or do we want to keep talking about Terry's being saved by that's, his that's not. high school girlfriend? <laughs> I don't okay. want to think about cool. that ever that's again. That's fair. I get it. Um, I give it five uvulas. 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 Is that how you say it? I don't even know how to say it. I don't know anymore. But, um, Terry... <laughs> Terry, how many, um, how many, uh, ta- uh, j- Jesus Christ, how many drowned tub boys out of five do you give to Changeling? 
Drown Tub Boys. Uh, okay. Drown Tub Boys. I think this movie is iconic. I think it has um, an iconic performance from George C. Scott. I think it has some of the the stuff that a lot of ghost movies try to have. And I think a lot of ghost films in the last 30, 40 years have attempted to, gosh, it's been 40 years, have attempted to um, match. I think that we didn't even talk about the seance scene, but I think the seance scene is absolutely oh, iconic fuck, yes. with the automatic writing and the woman that is like asking deadpan these questions. and Which the others totally just ripped oh, off. Oh, absolutely. 100% copy absolutely which i love the others but that scene was a direct ripoff i think you can see so any uh, i think almost any seance scene that has happened since then like i immediately am thinking back to this movie because i think this movie does it so incredibly well and does it without any fanfare it's literally just her scribbling and it's the sound of the the writing on the paper and it's her monotone voice and it's just i think this movie i think this movie is is very close to being perfect um watching it now um i do think that the unfortunately the female character gets the short end of the the stick and kind of turns into the sort of um hysterical woman that must be comforted by john russell and his daddy arms. So I, I do think there's like some issues with that. But I think I think overall, I think this movie is as close to being perfect as possible. I'm going to just give it four and a half. Oh, God. I'm cutting that poor drum boy in half. Chop gonna, that boy in half. <laughs> but I'm going to chop that boy in half. And as if he's not already dealing with a lot. But yeah, four and a half drowned tub boys for me. What about you, Mary Beth? I will also give it four and a half drowned tub boys. I think this movie is incredible. I think it obviously speaks to how like a lot of how a lot of um, ghost story movies are made nowadays. The seance scene is incredible because her perform like that performance should be talked about more in terms of her complete deadpan face and emotionalist kind of speaking and the way she is like like aggressively scribbling on that paper. It's just it's so spooky and then. You have my favorite, favorite horror trope where he's listening to the sound and you hear the mm. EVP. Um, you hear the voice of the little boy. It just, it's got all of those, those beats of a ghost story, but as an early ghost story. And it's just, it's so effective and creepy and how it is able to build dread, but also make you very sad and just really create this very complicated, spooky ghost story that is both familiar yet feels new even now watching it in 2022 and not having seen it before so i think there are some parts that kind of dated a little bit and i will say my favorite part of this movie is when he first sees the kid in the tub and just backs out and like it just he backs into the camera and it just goes to the next scene which was so nope. funny i'm like this isn't supposed to be funny but it's kind of hilarious he just sees it and just backs up and then because again like that's how I'd react to it. But that is my rating four and a half, boys. I'm sorry, boy. Um, but Robbie, you have the final word. How many drowned tub boys out of five do you give this film? I give it five. Just for me, it's the best ghost haunted house story. I don't think there, for me personally, uh, there there isn't a better told haunted house story. Uh, it has imperfections like most movies, but the just the overall experience of the film overrides that. So I'm just give it five. It's my favorite ghost story. Oh yeah. 
Uh, I Hell also want to yeah. apologize to Alejandro. I don't know if he ripped it off uh, when he was making the others. I don't know. I wasn't in his head, so maybe he didn't. You weren't? That's rude. <laughs> you weren't just hanging out, and they're like, hey! No. What's going no. on? But yeah, no. Love it. I do notice the shirt you're wearing, so how does it compare to The Haunting of Hill House? I didn't watch this series. I'm not a Flanagan lover. Okay. I'm. This is the the book by Shirley Jackson is one of my favorite books, and the original The Haunting from 1961 or 60 or 63. I think it's 63 is a great ghost story, but I think that um, The Changeling is a better film than The Haunting, the original one from the. 60s. It's a great book. I do agree. I love that book. I've read it. The first paragraph of this book completely beautiful it's it's a great book i've i've read it so many times over the however many long years <laughs> i love it is the series like good <laughs> uh, I, I would say that series. if you're not a flanagan fan you probably yeah. probably won't win you I'm over. mostly not although i did just watch something i liked by what what's his recent midnight mass movie. no movie um hush gerald's game oh I did like Hush. I just saw that recently. Doctor. Oh yeah, I did like Hush. He, he's kind of hit hit earnest for me. I'm just I think. Oh yeah, Doctor Sleep. He also did. I think that's probably his most recent. I'll give um, I'll give the Haunting of Hill House. I'll watch the first three episodes, and see if I can Do get it. into it. I think it's good. I'm gonna... I think there's like it has a really great jump scare in the like second uh, last. When is it set? What what decade is it set? The today and in oh, the past. Is- Oh, so it's okay. Cool. So it's like, all right, yeah. I'll, I'll watch the first three episodes for sure to give it like a proper chance. So it's like, what if the the kids like lived in the house and now twenty odd years are dealing with the trauma of living in Hill House? Okay, I'm gonna watch it. And I'm sorry. Uh, how is Blind Manor? Is that good too? Yes. Yeah. I don't think I it's like as good. It. Okay. It's not as good as it's not as good as Hill House, but I still really liked it. It made me cry like a little oh, baby bitch. It made me cry so. too. I, yeah, I like crying. <laughs> well, then you should watch both of these because they'll make you fucking cry. Depending on who you ask, it either is um, reveling in queer pain or it is being a gothic movie that happens to be about queer people. Because boy, did that cause a furor when that came out, and the queers had thoughts. Wait, which film? Uh, Blind Manor. Oh. Oh, I missed that. Must have been on Grindr. Much better place (laughs) than Twitter sometimes. And except that I've never had someone pound on my door. So. Hey. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But (laughs) thank you so much, Robbie, for for coming to talk about the changeling and bringing back some very traumatic memories that are only tangentially related to this, but I'm probably not going to be able to sleep tonight. So thank you. But where can the listeners find you? And um, what do you have coming up that you can share? I'm on Grindr. I'm on Scruff. I'm on Tinder. I'm on Hinge. I'm at Akbar on Sunset Boulevard. And um, (laughs) if you like tangents, you'll like the Outwaters. And No, if you like Crossroads, you'll love the Outwaters. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you like Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where can they find me? I don't know. I have a Twitter, but... Yeah, what's your Twitter handle? Some Tips for Life. Because back in the day, I used to have a YouTube channel that was called Some Tips for Life, which is not horror-y. Although I did have, like, um, 
Reno 911 style fake ghost hunting episodes called uh, Ghost Patrol, where like it was found footage style and we're like the ghost hunters are like making out with each other or like oh, yeah. being inappropriate and they don't actually believe in ghosts. So I did have some, and I had actually, now that I think of it, I had a series called seance where I'm having seances with different people, but I'm being like super awkward. Like it's like between two ferns, but with seances, Oh my God. just super awkward. Um, Does this still exist? Excuse me? Yeah, just some tips for life. I'm going to, I'm going to go do a deep dive. You want to try to get me canceled? I'm sure there's something from 2009 or 10 in there. That you can go find and bring to light. Do it now. <laughs> I have no money anyway, and I'll just keep making my movies. Bring it to light right before the movie comes out. Yeah. No, but some tips for life, my old YouTube channel. I was most well-known for the gay bar rejection tutorial. And still to this day, once in a while, someone will come up to me in gay bar and say, Oh, I love the gay bar rejection tutorial, which is an awkward thing to hear from a stranger at a gay bar. Uh-huh. But that's my past. <laughs> what a journey. You've really been on a journey. I love that. This podcast I was still excited journey. to talk to y'all. Uh, it's been so, so glad you came <laughs> on this podcast and you've entered our lives because I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, so after you find Robbie on Grindr, um, you should let us know how, what... Your experience was like with the changeling. We want to hear from you. And so does Robbie. Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. Um, hopefully Terry is not dead. But uh, I'm at MB McAndrews. And I was afraid I was going to spill water all over my computer. Uh, I'm, I'm at Kaylee Treadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. <laughs> I'm a lazy bottom. <laughs> We have that in common. Uh, don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm verse if if I want. No, I'm lying. I'm a bottom mostly. <laughs> I'm sorry. To be honest, I say I'm verse, but you all know how that goes. I really, really. <laughs> I'm single. If you see the outwaters, you're gonna think I'm so like cool and not weird. And um, there you go. Um, I'll shut up now. Thank you. Thank you for thank you to Eric Power for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to Robbie Banfitch for making my stomach hurt from laughing so hard. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. <laughs> Until next time. Hot. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.